Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well on this 17th of December. The year is almost over. Christmas morning is coming quickly. We are striving really hard to love our city, love our community, love our people that live in this area, and, and, and send our people from this room of these pews out into the world to do some good. Uh, that's our goal. Next week is Christmas Sunday. It's actually on Monday, but on Sunday morning, we'll celebrate uh, our Christmas uh, service in the morning and just have a good time together singing a lot of songs and just focusing on the birth of our Savior and uh, how awesome that is. We'll have some extra goodies out here. Come at 10 o'clock. If you want to come and join us, show up, come at 10, and then, um, and then we'll... We'll continue to go out into the world and take the love of Jesus and bless the world. That's our goal. God has blessed us with Jesus, that beautiful gift. And now we want to go give a gift to the world of love from God. And that's what we want our lives to be. His, his hands and feet out into the world. We're talking today about, oh, the joy. And this is a great word of power and of depth. Like not, not the surface joy but a, a depth of joy that, that comes from, from deep within our core, like from way down, that, that, that it can't be stolen away easy. It doesn't come and go. It, it's a depth of joy. Remember, Paul, Paul is in prison. This is like a, a, a New Testament over in uh, the Middle East, a prison over there. Uh, one of them, probably not the one Paul was in, but... But he was in a dungeon-type prison, and uh, he's, he's writing to the Philippians. So Paul's in prison. The Philippians are doing an amazing job at living the faith and, and walking with Jesus and sharing the good news and loving each other. They're living large for Jesus. And Paul is writing in the book of Philippians to them, and he is, he is excited. His joy, Paul's joy is complete because they are living out what Paul taught them. And that's it. That's kind of the bottom line of joy. It isn't complete until God's people are doing what God said. And that's what makes God's joy complete, at least our part connected to God. That when we're a part of what God is doing, when we're doing what he wants us to do, and we're following Jesus, love is complete and joy is complete in that. When you can be at, like, what we would consider to be a real low, like prison, Paul's in prison, and, and still have the joy of God in your heart and on your mind, deep within your soul, and you can have a deep sense of peace in your life, then that joy is not your joy. It's not coming from you, and it's not coming from the world. It's a supernatural joy. It's a joy that comes from above, that comes when God is living inside of us, right? And we see this kind of joy, or we see this kind of confidence and peace lived out in, in lots of Bible people throughout time. Let me mention a couple for you. In Genesis 39, Joseph is thrown in prison. In Jeremiah 37, Jeremiah is thrown in prison. John the Baptist thrown in prison and he's beheaded. 
Peter in Acts 12 is thrown in prison. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 are thrown in prison. And joy is spilling over as they're singing and worshiping God from the prison cell that night. Hebrews 11, talk about low moments in life. God's people, Hebrews 11 says, shut the mouths of lions, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword, were tortured, they faced jeers, floggings, chains, imprisonment, stoned to death, and so much more. The Bible says the world was not worthy of God's people. You want to talk about the lows of life? These people loved Jesus so much, they were willing to let themselves be brutalized. For the cause of Christ. See, it's, it's easy. It's really easy to be joyful when things are good, isn't it? Like, like we see this in sports. Here are the Cameron crazies, right? The Dukies. It's easy to yell and scream when your team is doing well and, 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 and winning and, and, and going ahead and whatever. You know, it's easy. That's fun. It's fun. But, but that kind of joy is a roller coaster ride, right? It's a roller coaster. It's like the thrill of victory. And then the agony of defeat. You gotta love this picture, right? The agony of defeat. Like that's life. Highs when we're winning, lows when we're not. Well, if that's your joy level, it's surface. It's so surface. God joy, God joy rises from deep within. It isn't up and down like the world. It, it's from deep within. And, and you know that you have it because in the midst of hardship, you can still have this joy of God. It's called God joy. And it's deep within your life. <clears throat> it's not based on hype. It's not based on worldly pleasure. But on the solid rock of Jesus and the power of the resurrection. That power that now lives in us. See, when the power of the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus, it comes, you, you've invited him to come and live in you. You say, God, I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you to come and live in my life. I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to be cleansed of, of me. And I want you, God, to fill me. And, and you repent and you turn your life over to God and you are immersed, baptized into Jesus and he washes away your sins. And now the power of the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus is now living in you. Are you kidding me? That joy in you is so powerful. It's not the highs and lows of winning and losing on the, world, on the earth. That's, that's so superficial. There's a depth of joy in you when this Jesus comes to live in you. See, joy is in the air, isn't it? It's in the air. This time of the year, it's in the air. Like People are mostly kind of happy most of the time, this time of the year, unless they're fighting over gifts in the store. But for the most part, people are thinking about God sent his son and baby Jesus and uh, for, I mean, I mean, we used to say for the most part, but probably not anymore. 
But to some degree, there's joy in the air, right? There ought to be Christmas lights and songs and hot cocoa and caroling and, uh, uh, and, uh, and um, hot cider. And, you know, there's just cookies and desserts and, you know, joy is in the air. It's in the air. It's a fun time of the year. From the cradle to the cross, true joy, true joy is only going to be found in Jesus. The depth of joy that God wants for us is only going to be found in Jesus. So in Philippians chapter 2, Paul's word is this. This is Part two of last week's, we're going to continue and keep moving. Paul's word for us is this, joy is going to come. Joy is going to come when we serve God until it hurts and until it costs us everything. When we are completely emptied of ourself, fully on the altar, laid ourselves out, taking up our cross, following Jesus. When it hurts, when it hurts, and it costs us everything. That's when true joy is going to become, is going to come. And we left off with this statement right here. Grace to the cross, work from the cross. There's nothing you can do to get salvation other than respond to God's free gift of grace, right? I say this a lot. God's grace is free. There's, you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can only accept what Jesus has done for us. So grace, free gift of grace to the cross. Now, once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and you understand what he's done for you, you now have to leave that place and go and do everything in your power to bring as many people to that grace cross again so they can have salvation. That's what this is about. See, Paul pointed to Jesus in chapter 2, if you're looking at chapter 2 of your Bible, uh, at his example, right? His example. And nobody can question the work that Jesus came to do and the work that Jesus accomplished. That passage says he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus completed the work that he came to do. So... Let's consider the work of Paul. Let's consider Paul's example. Okay? Paul worked harder than anyone. I mean, Paul gave his life completely. Once Jesus got a hold of Paul, it was a game-changing moment. His service to Jesus is unmatched. In fact, he worked his tail off for the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look what it says. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this, Paul says. He doesn't want to say what he's about to say. Paul is, 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 is somewhat hesitating because he doesn't want to brag on himself. He doesn't want to boast on himself. But he wants to show them a point that he is willing to do what he's asking them to do. So I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. You hear this? This is what Paul went through for Jesus. Three times I was beaten with rods, once was pelted with stones, three times shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in open sea. 
I have, been, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger in false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face dear, daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul didn't want to have to say this, but he lays it out there for the Corinthians so that they understand that he's been through some stuff for Jesus and that he has somewhat earned the right to be able to speak about suffering for Jesus. Isn't that cool? All, all of this, Paul is going through for that baby in the manger. That baby, Jesus. Which begs the question from me and from you. What are we willing to do for that baby who came to this earth as an infant and gave his life for you and for me? What are we willing to do for the one who left heaven and came to this earth? You know, the work of God is plentiful. And God is still looking for workers. Workers who will, who will never give up. Who will never give in or even give a rip what other people think. That's who God's looking for. People who are so devoted to him that what the world says about them does not matter one bit when you grab hold of the mission of jesus that's when joy will be discovered and it's baffling to the world right it's baffling to the world but there is something about giving and serving and sacrificing and suffering with jesus that produces the fruit of joy in us that, that is unexplainable, that the world doesn't comprehend or understand because it just doesn't make sense in their eyes. There's something about it. The greatest high and the deepest joy is to see others blessed and free and, and, and their, their lives given to Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the greatest and the deepest Joy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my brothers, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. The statement, no pain, no reward, is a real thing. In Hebrews chapter 12, the scripture says this, one of the most beautiful passages of scripture about this topic. Therefore, since we're surrounded, I love this, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know what that looks like. We don't really know how much they're able to engage or see what's going on on the earth. Maybe he's just talking about the fact that so many others have gone on before us and now there's this great cloud of witnesses in heaven 
and, and whether they're looking in on us or not, it doesn't really matter that much, but that they've gone before us. He says, since there's all those people that have done what we're trying to do, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I mean, get away from the junk of the world and let us run Run with perseverance the race marked out for us, free of the junk, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He did it first. For the joy, this Jesus, for the joy set before him, he, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame, and he sat down at the, hand, at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Our fleshly minds can't understand it, but somehow Jesus, we would never, we would never do this, but Jesus found joy in going to the cross for you. Suffering for you and me was his delight. It, it delighted him to die on a cross for us. Was it fun? No. Did it take a lot of courage? Yes. Was he probably scared as a human being? Of course. But he knew what was in store for us if he went through with it. He knew the result. He knew the fruit that would come from it. And this kingdom promise of joy is so easy and so difficult at the same time. I will find joy in serving God when it hurts me and it costs me everything. Paul says in Philippians 2, work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Remember our passage? Paul says, work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What? What do you think that means, fear and trembling? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think it has little to do with a, a deep, deep respect and a, and a huge sense of awe of who God is. Right? That this is all-powerful God that we have become engaged with. This is God wanting to come and live in us. This is God wanting us to have a relationship with him. This is God saying, hey, you can make a commitment and a covenant with me in the blood of my son. And when we enter into that, we better not take that lightly. And we better not walk away and, and, and neglect it or disregard it or treat it like it's no big deal or like it's just another thing on the earth. When we approach God, we better do so with fear, a sense of fear and respect for the God who can crush the planet in an instant and a sense of awe that he is God. And we're just the dirt, the work of his hands. See, Jesus worked it out. 
Paul worked it out. And in just a few verses, look what he says about Timothy. In verse 22, he says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself. That's a powerful statement about working hard. Proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He has served, another word of service, with me in what? In the work of the gospel. Timothy. And what about our boy Epaphroditus? Check him out a little later, Philippians 2, verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier like in the Lord, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Check this out. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Wow, that's powerful. Epaphroditus, a worker, a soldier. Paul's joy, he's glad because he's got fellow people to work alongside him. Oh, how awesome is that? When you have people that you can look to on your left and on your right and you're working for the cause of Christ and you know you've got people with you that are doing it with you and they're right in there engaged with you and they're sacrificing and they're giving and they're sweating and they're taking their time, extra time, more time than most people would ever do for the cause of Jesus. This is insane. This is awesome. This is totally awesome. Later on in chapter 3, he says, join together in following my example, Paul says, follow my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Isn't that insane? That could be you. You can write your name in the Bible right here if you are following Paul's example, following Jesus' example, and you are doing what they do. This is you. You're included in the word of God. Isn't that insane? That's cool. What Paul's doing is he's calling us to pay attention. Pay attention to what's important. These celebrity examples are not what's important. You know, the latest fad on social media about what the, the stars are wearing means nothing. These athletes, these so-called millionaire, billionaire athletes that that have their own brands of stuff that everybody wants to wear. This is garbage. This is the example we ought to be following. People who are following Jesus and laying it all on the line for him. They're the heroes of this world. They're the ones who are trying to rescue people from hell. Right? That's, that's the people, Paul and Jesus and all these others that have given their life. Follow their example. The example of servanthood and sacrifice. It isn't to be admired. It's to be followed. 
and, and how being that person that others can see living it out. You be the person that others can look to, right? Let's be the model disciple of Jesus that Jesus and others were for us and that the world so desperately needs. The world around you desperately needs somebody who will live like Jesus. Somebody who will actually go further, go all in, lay it all out there for Christ. Yeah, it's joyful, you know, it's joyful to be in the crowd, you know, when your team and watch your team hit that last second full court buzzer beater. That, that's amazing to be in the crowd. Yeah. It's awesome when your team scores that last second goal for the W. That's awesome. But true joy, a much deeper joy is in taking the shot. Not in watching others take the shot, but in you taking the shot. Sweating, suffering, sacrificing, pouring it all out for the cause of Jesus. There is no better place to be than on the field with your brothers and sisters grinding it out. That is the best place for you to be as a believer. It's what Paul is urging us to. It's why Jesus came to the earth like he did. It's here, it's here, when we're working hard together for the cause of our Savior, that joy is complete. Do you know what will bring joy to your life? You know what will bring joy to your life? When God is able to have his way completely in you and me. When he has our complete, undivided, unwavering attention and obedience. When we put an end to what I want and are determined with everything in us to do what he wants. This is perhaps one of the greatest battles for all of us as human beings, right? To remain focused through the mazes of life, following Jesus, steadfast, attentive, undistracted, all in to the very end, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Do you notice in verse 13, Paul says, for it is God, it is God, he's the one doing this. It is God. What's God doing? He's working. God is working who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's what God's doing. He is working. And he calls us to work alongside with him. And what is he working on? He's working on you and he's working on me. This is the most beautiful thing about this relationship that we have with God. It truly is a partnership with him. It's a fellowship. It's a koinonia fellowship, right? And God would want it no other way that we are, we are with him in it by our will, by our choice. God is working in you. He's working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is what he is up to. He is working to shape you, to mold you, to change you, and he won't do it against your will, and he won't do it without us. He isn't going to do it for us. He wants us to work together with him. When we are moving in the direction of God's ultimate will for us, when Jesus is being formed in you, He's taking over more and more of who you are. 
when the full impact of Christ is now transforming your mind and you're beginning to think more like Jesus. And when we fully surrender, surrender as co-partners, as fellow workers, and as obedient children of God, not just saved and sanctified, but now set apart and serving, this brings confidence and a joy that can never be taken and will never be shaken. Oh, the joy. Paul's encouragement to us is serve the Lord Jesus until it hurts. Follow the example of those who have gone on before us. This great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on, knowing that their joy is complete when you and I finish what they started. Joy will come like a mighty rolling sea when your love for Jesus and his kingdom costs you everything in the very best way. And we learn, and we learn to love that baby that came 2,000 years ago in a manger so much that we love him so much that we joyfully, that we joyfully surrender our life for him and our allegiance to him abounds more and more. All to Jesus, I surrender. I hope you will too. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we will see you next time.